My formula for greatness in man is Amori Fati. The fact that a man wishes nothing to be different, either in front of him or behind him or for all of eternity. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. And on this episode of the podcast, we have Brian McGinty. Brian is the owner of Power Plus, where you've probably seen him on Instagram turning athletes into explosive monsters through a lot of really cool techniques. And on today's podcast, he tells us how he does just that, using the Baranovich style of training, an emphasis on the foot, and getting the brain to fire quickly. This was an awesome podcast with an even better dude that just brought amazing energy and took time out of his day to have this conversation. And it was, it was really cool to dive into the mind of a mad scientist like Brian. And I hope you guys get a lot out of it. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite level guests to unravel what high performance really is. I will right, well, coach. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. How's it going, man? Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. We've been chatting for like 20, 30 minutes already. We've been rocking and rolling. I'm excited for this one. Yes, sir. Yeah, you've been uh so there's a lot of people that have been pointing me your way. And then uh, one of the athletes that trained with us, Jake Summers, for I think it was two years or a year and a half ago now, just a total the beast of a human, a beast of a pitcher. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have you have to have this guy on the podcast. I'm working with him right now. Like his stuff is right yeah. up your lane. So uh, I'm excited. So we, we look at your page and you see train fast to be fast. Like everything is speed. Everything is central nervous system based. And like we talked about before and. When you when you look at the traditional like route of strength conditioning, it's like it's not that it's it's not that at all. And I'm always interested in how like coaches like yourself get to a point in which you're you're thinking outside the box as and there's the paradox too, because it's like it shouldn't be outside the box thinking because it should just be like watching what's in front of you and then like how can we get to the end goal in the right way? But in the traditional way that strength conditioning is taught and sports performance is taught and even skill acquisition is taught it's kind of in this box and, and you've broken out of the box. So how did you get to the point in which you've broken out of the box and kind of developed the system that you're at today? Right. So I think by nature, I'm kind of like that, but it, it wasn't a, it, I definitely didn't come up with it. Uh, so I had, uh, it was funny. I was growing up and uh, uh, my brother would read the paper all the time. And we got this article about the uh, robo quarterback out in California. who was a uh, Todd Marinovich. And they had a 30 for 30 on them. And uh, like um, 
back then, you know, all you had was the paper. You didn't get a lot of like, you didn't have internet and stuff like that to know who was playing in California, things like that. And that article came up and they were, you know, it was just, you know, a lot of people thought it was a crazy article or crazy that, you know, he was eating a perfect diet and all this stuff. And, and so that stuck with me, like as soon as, and I was in middle school, I think, uh, maybe sixth grade, seventh grade when I heard of that. And it just always stuck with me. And so one day I think uh, I was finishing college and trying to pursue a pro career. And uh, before I started playing independent ball, I uh, saw this thing with Troy Palomalu working out and doing just this crazy stuff. And then they were like, Mark Marinovich is his trainer. I was like, what, Mark? That's the dude, that's the robo quarterback dad. So like, <laughs> so I saw that. And dude, I was just like, it caught me. Like, and I wasn't even thinking about going into, like I, I had a little bit of a dream of becoming a trainer. Uh, but like at that time, I just got through finishing playing independent baseball. And I was just kind of like, I'm gonna do this baseball thing and, and create something great with this. And, uh, you know, I go in and we're doing select baseball and you know how that world can be. Uh, we're doing really good at first and then parents and then, you know, how that goes. And I just, I'm more about, I like teaching kids or teaching people. I don't want to have to deal with the logistics of the parents here and, and that it has got too much. And so, I, you know, I was working at a middle school actually, and we were, I was coaching two sports at this school, a specific school. They make you coach seventh and eighth grade. So I'd literally be there 12 hours a day. And then I drive and I, 45 to an hour away to go coach select baseball team. So that just wore me out. So one day I'm sitting around, I'm like, you know, I'm going to start people like I was getting in shape at the time and people were like, man, you got to start training people. And so uh, I was doing some hitting lessons and things like that. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do a throwing camp. So uh, I was doing from the uh, driveline system. It's really a Ron Woolforce system. And uh, I worked with him a little bit in the past and, so I had a throwing camp for the summer just to make a little extra money because I, I quit doing select baseball and I just wanted to focus on myself. And this quarterback comes in and uh, that went to the school I was at and we were training him. And this guy, his dad was like a kind of a power dad. You know what I mean? He, he knew everybody could bring everybody in. And I had this guy for like six weeks. He was like, you, you have a talent. Like, I'm going to get you some people. So I was like, okay. Like, I'm thinking he's bringing me more throwing guys. He brings me a ton of football players. So now I'm like, oh, crap. Well, I'm going to do with these guys. I've been throwing for, you know. And so uh, after he does that, um, I got to get creative. So I, I start looking at the Marinovich stuff. And, you know, a place called Sports Science Lab popped up. And I couldn't find the Marinoviches, basically. So uh, this place, they he was there at one point. And um, they had a lot of the products. So I just started ordering the products and looking at stuff on the internet with Marv training and trying to duplicate it best as possible. And the guys started getting like way better, like to the point where the coach was like, did you work with him too? Cause he looks different. And I was like, oh wow, we might have some here. So I thought I was an expert then. <laughs> and I found out soon after uh, I met the Marinoviches probably uh, about six months from there, I talked to Gary for the first time. And, you know, I was just like, I just, I need to learn the evaluation systems. I, I I know I need an evaluation. So I don't know why that was such a big thing then. And now it's even a bigger thing, but uh, I realized I didn't know crap. So I went out there and got humbled pretty good, but I was just, I fell dead in love with it. Like anything that guy told me to do, uh, Gary Marinovich to this day, you know, I, I follow it, you know, so that's basically how it happened. So. Yeah. That, that, that's a pretty sweet story. The, uh, yeah. 
when, when, when you started implementing this stuff, because obviously you had like your, your college strength conditioning background too, and like just training yourself. Right. What, when you got into the Marinovich system, was there any like maybe doubts on your end or like, what was the biggest thing where it was oh, like, yeah. wow, that that's way different. Like, like this is way like totally different. And then what sold you on it? Obviously the results from oh, the yeah. athletes, but what sold you on in the first place? You're like, this, this might actually be something here, but it's so different from what I was doing. Right. Um, you know, one thing about the system, this is where a lot of people are behind. I'll, I'll kind of uh, backtrack after this. Uh, Gary started making big changes in the system about five years ago. Uh, even different from what Marv was doing. Same, same principles, but he started to really like even rev it up more. And then on the strength training side, uh, of course, we were lifting heavier, but we don't do anything traditional. We do all the lifts, but they're all plyometric. So even our bicep, we do curls, but they're plyometric. We throw it off. And so we start realizing that we can build the strength. We just don't compromise the speed. So I ended up, um, um, when I went down there, we were lifting super light. <laughs> so that was, for me, you know, I was a big lifter in college and I was like, man, we're lifting light, you know? So um, this is when I first got there like eight, nine years ago. And I'm like, dude, like, how are we gonna get an offensive lineman like <laughs> lifting 25 pounds? And it was just all nervous system. And then, you know, Gary started to really make some changes. And it's like, you know, if the speed's not compromised, there's nothing against the science to say we don't add weight. Mm. And nice. so um, I think my biggest reserve, you know, remember I, I was coaching in middle school still. So we were running um, in Texas. We run like high school off seasons in middle school. Like eighth grade is basically high school at that point. So they're in there lifting 300 pounds, 200 pounds in middle school in Texas. So, you know, I just started to see... What, what sold me the most, and I think this is something people have to know, that I was on both sides of the fence at the same time. So I was literally coaching two off seasons a day at the school and then leaving there after, you know, a 10-hour, eight-hour day and then going and coaching at Power Plus for four, four to six hours. And so, you know, I start watching. And then when COVID hit, I was, I was, I was, I'm not, I'm not going to say I was, a hundred percent even sold after like three or four years, but I was definitely um, 90, 95, 90% sold. Right. And I wasn't going against the grain either. I was just kind of worried about certain things at the time. Like, you know, how would I train alignment or how would I train this guy? Will the just nervous system work for these guys, you know? And, you know, what happened was the COVID year hit and that's what really sold me. I had a freshman who was really talented. Uh, but I trained him and he didn't get a lot of off season because all the schools were shut down. So I had him for like, you know, four months straight, five months straight before they even went back to weights and he didn't do that very long. So really he was my product and he went straight to varsity as a freshman. He's the only person in school history that that's hard to do in Texas. So he was the only person in this school's history and this school is not even that great. And I mean, he lit it up. First team all district. I mean, he was ran over like a four-star recruit and he's only like five, nine. He just looks super explosive. The game looks slower to him. And I said, yeah, we, this is it. Like that was, that was the, like the final, 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 final straw. I was 110% in at that time. So, uh, yeah. So I, you know, and the fun thing was I got to see these guys progress. You know, I got to see guys do well, start lifting weights a bit, a certain way and then maybe get hurt, you know, and then I take them over to my gym and we get them in alignment and then they don't get hurt for two or three years. 
So then you keep seeing those reoccurrences happen over and over again. So the confidence is kind of built. You know what I mean? At this point, I'm able to kind of speak the way I do on social media because, you know, I'm, I am highly confident. It's not, I'm not faking anything. I understand my science. I understand the principle. I try to chew it up, you know, and make it common sense. I was a teacher, remember, for 13 years. So I don't, I realize that people need to get a common sense version of a complicated or what can be a complicated science. I'm not in this to make people think I'm smarter than them. I'm really in this for the athletes. Yeah, that that's that's freaking awesome. The competent the confidence is built by competence, you know. Like when once you have right. something back it up, I was talking I've been talking to uh Jake Tura about that a lot recently. It's like, how do you have the like young strength coaches always reach out? I'm young too as well, but like even younger than right. me, like 20 year olds will reach out to me and they'll be like, Well, how do you yeah. like have the confidence to post what you post on social media? It's like once you get so many results, like it's like you have something to stand on now, you know, like there's right. to where you be able to like actually post because you're, you're confident in what you're doing. Whereas before, when you don't have those results, it's like, well, maybe my training doesn't work and it might not work at that right. time, you know, like, but once you, once you understand that it doesn't work, it's kind of cool. That's also awesome that you have. So when you're working the high school and your own gym, was the high school where you running traditional strength conditioning at the high school? And then you were, yeah. you're working on, Oh, that is awesome. So you get yeah. to really see the, the live <laughs> so contrast. Yeah. I'm leaving work literally 30 minutes later. I'm doing something totally different. Oh, that's sweet. With that, some, that's of, the, with cool. some of the same athletes. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. so can you, can you run me through what, um, what that looks like? So what does the different training look like? The, the traditional model when you're working with the high school, like, bench squat deadlift or maybe even doing sprints and jumps and stuff like that in the traditional setting but like what's it look like when you're you're leaving that high school setting and you're going to your gym like what's a session look like if I were to walk in with you and you've even emailed me already and you're working with me yeah I think that's what uh a lot of people don't understand so when they're looking at the internet you know a lot of people concerned like man y'all jump a lot and things like that and like we don't jump a lot uh it's 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 everything is segmented I know exactly how many jumps a week somebody should get. Uh, I know what kind of jumps to do. I know what the high impact jumps are. Uh, I know what kind of foot firing they need to be doing. I know what kind of core work they need to be doing. So if you were to look at a at a day, it's I'm going to keep it real basic. But uh, the first thing you do is take your shoes off and we start doing uh, what we call footwork. So footwork can be broken up into different fragments or frames or uh some days it's more of a contact balance or balance. Uh, and then, you know, even with balance, I feel like balance, there needs to be some suddenness to that as well. Uh, and then sometimes it's strengthening, flat strengthening. And even with that, there needs to be some, some even a calf raise in my gym is fast. And so then there's a lot of manipulating of the points because a lot of times, you know, we'll go in and work calf raises or something like that. And we only work it in one angle. And so my thing is, um, you know, I'm not against, I, I, I like a lot of stuff that go to guys are, are doing and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, like I saw a video the other day that a guy posted from go to and it, and they showed like Patrick Mahomes and he was in a bad position. And, uh, you know, my thing was with that is I didn't think he could help it. You know, he got hit and he, his body had to kickstand and do something quick. And my whole thing is, okay, if you can't get in the perfect position, because there's no such thing as perfect sports, if you can't get in the perfect position and you're not acclimated to that, then what happens? So my whole thing is, is to train the foot in a way uh, where everything is, everything in your environment, you're used to it. Mm. 
you know, so no matter how, how uh, awkward the stimulus is, I'm going to try to create awkwardness in your, your strength training or your training in general. So awkwardness is, is good. Your sports are awkward. So I feel like first thing you do, you come in, we're going to work on that kind of stuff. You know, the foot, the awkwardness. Second thing you're going to do, usually some type of core work. That can go a lot of different ways uh, at our gym. Uh, but it is explosive. It is fast. Uh, and we, we're working multiple points and angles and degree points. There's a lot of like micro sciences that we use. So when people are just looking at somebody do a drill, and they're like, man, they look goofy. Like there's always a particular science to it. Uh, and then we go to what's called ball work, usually after that. So our ball work sessions are, um, basically a mobility slash yoga slash Pilates in one. <laughs> and so we work uh, most of our mobility work and uh, we call it stretch strengthening. So Jake loves that, that part of the workout. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, cause it's very explosive, but you're getting a stretch and you're getting the strength aspect or the resistance aspect uh, in nature. And you're working a lot of micro points and micro angles. So, um, it's really, uh, that's a big part of our system. So be honest with you, like, uh, if I'm training a pro group, it's usually two hours and I'm training a normal group. Uh, it's usually an hour and a half. And I would say that first part looks like a warm up, and we could do some jump roping too, but that's, there's a technique involved in that too. Uh, ground impact technique, uh, that we utilize there, ground contact that we utilize there. But, um, when, we're done with that set, that block right there alone. Uh, we've spent about an hour at the gym mm -hmm. already. So we're only using, utilizing, you know, 45, 30 sometimes, depending on the group pros, usually around 45, 50 minutes to utilize for strength conditioning or agilities or a mixture of both. And, and then that's segment, and that's segmented into, you know, what we call power days and agility days. So it it will vary day to day, and, and that's that's after the 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 explosive mobility portion. So it goes right. the, the balance. Sure. Okay, so after that, and and is that just traditional power, and or is, are you doing different things with the 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 strength conditioning part there too for the fourth block? No, yeah, we're doing everything weird. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> what's that look like? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're using the super cat machines. Hell yeah, hell yeah, we got one of those. We do a lot of other awkward lifts too. Like I was on the. Uh, on the uh, 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 Mark Bell's podcast, yeah, uh, not too long ago, and I took them through a workout. And they were real impressed with a lot of stuff they were doing there. We were doing some of that, and that's off the cat. So it's it's um, we do a lot of things I don't show that um, go along with alignment because my biggest thing is alignment. You know what I mean? Like you can lift all the weights you want if you're aligned, you're probably gonna be okay, but there's like three different types of alignment. So that's where I never hear people talking about certain alignment. I'm not gonna say it because I don't wanna give it to you. I'll tell you off camera. But there's certain alignments I hear nobody talking about and the science is there. And then, you know, we'll get ridiculed for, for what we're doing or, or the science, but we understand our back science. So that's why, you know, when I tell somebody I wouldn't do this type of lift, this type of way, um, I have a back science on it. So alignment is key. Uh, the, um, I hate saying this because I always say it wrong. Not the, uh, the, uh, uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Not Ventruvian. What is the, uh, 
Is it Ventrovia man? I don't know. The six the six arms, six legs diagram you see in the uh in the uh science classrooms. Oh yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so if you look at that uh Da Vinci, uh, I believe, came up with that illustration, but it was about alignment. So if you look at a lot of the points, you see a lot of these 45 degree angles between the arms and legs. And so those anatomically are, are gonna be your strongest points. And the other thing is gonna be the alignment of a human being. So if you're in alignment, you're not fighting yourself. You know, and that's the key. Like, I don't want the body to fight itself. So if you have this big squat, uh, I got a dude did 700 pounds twice at TCU and couldn't break a tackle got got way more unathletic i i literally had him stand up and he had to brace himself and he just picked his knee up to a 90 degree angle and i literally took i think three fingers like this and a thumb or two fingers on a thumb and i pushed him right down to the ground with ease and so he's what i told him you know you're out of alignment you've you've thickened too much in the quad you've uh, hypertrophied too much there and the psoas and the uh, the hip flexor psoas is not strong enough as a ligament to hold the the strength of or the the muscle in your leg, so it makes him weaker, you know. And then I get a girl do the same thing who has not even a quarter of that squat, and I could I can't budge her because her ligament can handle her muscle. So that's where I think things kind of go awry. Like people really don't understand what's going on in the human body and what are some of the ways that you're going about like because so we have a big american football population that listens to this podcast where like that is going to be the, the situation a lot of times like the huge right. quad dominant uh hip flexors weak as right. shit what what are, what are some of the ways right. that you're doing to, to strengthen that or, or work on that for for some of these athletes or even yeah just expose them to some of these things right well i think the first thing uh well, I'd say this. The first thing you got to know it's a problem. <laughs> um, so I assess the athletes. So I have to know that before, you know, we get going on a protocol. But I will say this. Um, where we start our workout, we're hitting everything. So when you're talking about that core work, we're, we're working the psoas every single day and working it fast. And so what happens here, the, the body is acclimated with moving slow up and down, right? So when it takes that athlete a split second to hit the ground and have to pull up or pull out. What happens is when you're thrown out of balance, you're off balance. That's another thing. So you'll see a lot of great running backs in college, like Trent Richardson. I don't want to just throw names out, but Trent Richardson was one of them great running back. I, and he should have been a great pro way too big. And he lost uh balance and then he lost balance on the field. So he, I remember watching him his last couple of years. He was getting tackled. I saw him get tackled like two or three times straight by a cornerback. That never happened with that guy. And so he literally was just so out of balance, he had no balance. And so that's what people don't really understand is that you're dealing with – I'll give you something. Um, there's an eccentric alignment that a lot of people don't know about, right? And so when you're weightlifting, what happens – you're going down slow in control and you're coming up fast, right? Or more explosive, right? Well, the problem is with that is the eccentric is 30 to 40 times, or not times, obviously times, 30 to 40 times, why am I saying 30 to 40 uh, percent stronger than the concentric or the output. So what happens is over time is with the weightlifting, it throws that 
out of balance. So now the concentric is the same as the eccentric. Well, we're talking about natural human uh, uh, anatomy and you have to stay at that 30 to 40 range on the eccentric. So if you look at like a bench press, right? Um, we could bench, you could be benching 250 pounds, right? And you can't bench one pound more than that. Like that is the max. But if I put 275 on, you can control that with ease going down. You see what I mean? Because that's the eccentric contraction. So there's two ways in that way that you can be out of alignment. So it can be a speed misalignment, and then it could be a strength misalignment. So these are the factors. So then I have to go in and like, okay, is this a neurological situation or is this a strength situation? You know, if it's neurological, it's a little, it's, it can be a little, it can be a little more easier to fix when it's strength. Then you got to like, okay, is it an adductor here also? Is it, you know, and that can get a little confusing, but I will say a, a good pull program can align you pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Because water is consistent. Water is consistent. And then our ball work program does a good job. But I would say a good pool work program, a good one, will align the body probably faster than anything because the resistance never changes. So it's going to be the same. And so you can move as fast as you want in there. You just don't run in water. That's what I say to football guys. Listen, don't ever run in water. But you can, you know, break down the running mechanic into drills and work that extremely fast for short spurts and you'll get a great result. So, so when an athlete comes into you, uh, you running them through a bunch of evals to try and find this out, or are you putting them through your training and then picking up on things as you're going through training? What's, what's that going to look like to figure out like which part that you're going to work on? Um, the training has a base. Yep. Uh, once I do an eval, cause the training was set up to align the body. So that's the beautiful thing about the Marinovich's and, and, you know, I'm not taking credit. Uh, I'm just, the messenger, you know, I came from from the tree. I'm uh, I'm not gonna say I'm the best out there, but I'm one of the uh, definitely one of the top Marinovich guys out there. And so uh, Gary will always be the best to me. Um, and the thing is, I was taught very early on if these guys aren't evaluated from him, uh, it's almost impossible to create you know perfection. And so I go in. I may give him a day to try it out, of course, you know, but uh, yeah, we, we go straight into an evaluation. I just did one this evening uh, with a tennis athlete, amateur tennis athlete. So we go in first thing. We have to know what's wrong. Uh, we have to know what's wrong. And then from there uh, we have a numbering system. And so based on that numbering system, I know like, okay, he's out of alignment going vertically or he's out of alignment going rotational in a rotational manner, or is he out of alignment, uh, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, pronation, you know, J-cat, the, uh, some of the elbow stuff. And so I've implemented a lot of supernation and pronation drills into his workout. And uh, yeah, those are things, those things are very important because, you know, tear, sports are very awkward by nature. Like we're, you know, we're supposed to be out planting gardens and hunting. And when you go to throw a baseball 100 miles per hour, that's awkward. It's not a lot of human beings in the world that can throw a ball 90 miles per hour. And that's, you know, in, in the actual game now, it's starting to become a standard. And so whenever you have a ligament and muscles firing like that, you better know what you're doing with that athlete. Yeah, that that, that that's awesome. And, and the, with 
so you were talking about like adding things in for for Jake and, and specific like components of it, and, and but you also have the base. So is it like where? I guess where does it depend with with the athlete that they when they have the issues that you're throwing in like uh, specific like changes? Is it like a base program, like not a base program, but you have your program for for this sport or this athlete that should align them naturally, and then you're adding on things that you see on top of it, or or how how, you, how do you play with that back and forth? Right. So we go on a numbering system. So let, let's just say the athlete is what's called a one, right? If the athlete is a one, then he's totally deficient. If he's a one and a half, he's deficient. He's he's de totally deficient, but he's got a little bit going there. Like a one, a lot of times they have no strength at all. It's, it's crazy. And I've seen that with multiple NFL guys coming in. Mm. You'd be surprised at stuff I see. I see a lot of times I see worse NFL evaluations than I see middle school. On the same exact test and so um a one is totally deficient a two is satisfactory it's good a two and a half is you know you're starting to get into that elite category it's it's got some pop there a three is elite like you you like oh okay wow nice a four is totally off the charts like i can't even keep my hands on these guys with a four mm. so if, let's just say we were doing an adduction drill and uh, you want the athlete was going to kick his leg out and I was holding him down, he would throw my hand off of him. That's how powerful the four is. Yeah, it's shocking. Like when you see it, it's like, dang, you know. So um, based on that, let's just say I look for two main factors here. I don't look for like so much, oh, you don't have enough fours or you don't have enough threes. I look for the first thing, how many ones do we have? Because mm. ones have to be, we got to get those straight right away. Depending on where the one is at, like if it's a one in Dorsey flexion, that person can't jump. You see what I mean? So he's out of the question. There's no jumping going on there. He, he's he's too deficient and it's too much of a risk. Um, if he's a if he's a two, he's fine. So you have to look at that. Then the other thing you're going to look at is going to be the point differential, right? So if my left side Dorsey is a three and my right side Dorsey is a two, well, we got an issue. That's a full point imbalance from left to right. So now we're, and if it's any higher than that, I mean, like we got to seriously look at like, can this person do anything? Uh, we might have to just put them on a straight strength program, plyometric strength program and be, and until he aligns up because it can be really, I'll put them in the water because it can get really risky at that point. Like, and that's usually what you see with guys get hurt over and over again. Uh, it's usually they have these big differentials from left to right or forward and back. And so, like I said, beautiful, the beautiful thing about our system is, yeah, the system kind of aligns you, but there are people that come in where you have to do extra things. Yep. So, and I would, you know, of course, start with kind of setting up a protocol with them at home um, so that they can do extra work on that side. And you got to really stay tight to it because then a lot of times with rehab, a lot of people don't know this. I've evaluated a lot of rehab guys and they're like, hey, just getting off a, an injury. And then you evaluate the rehab side and it's stronger than the other side. So now they're back out of a balance again on the other side. <laughs> so it's like in the parent or whatever, or, or, the, or the person is thinking, oh, this one should be the weak one. And then a lot of times, because they've been working on it and it doesn't take that long, the body uh, gets acclimated and now all of a sudden the other side's off the line. So it's tricky, man. Like you can't, neglect one side for the other and i'd rather not do it at all than to neglect one side mm. 
And one of the things I know you say, you talk about the eyes are the windows to the brain. Um, are you in the evals? Are you working with the, well, I'm, I'm interested in how you train the eyes and, and how you work with some of that stuff. Cause some of that stuff looks awesome. A lot of the mirror drills you do it. They're like, it looks, it looks sweet. Um, are you doing an eval before you get to that? Like with the eyes or is it, are you, you're picking up on that in some of the mirror drills and like how they're moving? Like, well, like what's your process with the, the eyes are the windows to the brain? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, uh, I've been kind of, you know, I throw things like that every now and then. But uh, I got I got a really good opportunity uh, working with uh, my the tennis guy I'm with uh, Brandon Nagashima, and we went up to New Jersey and uh, we were actually working at the same place that Djokovic was working out at, and the doctor there is a I mean he's he's unbelievable. Um, uh, his name is Dr. Schrump, and uh, he was showing some things with visual visualization, and uh, they had these lights and these things, and they were talking about like Tom Brady had gotten his system and he had, Tom Brady had worked so diligently on this, on this uh, light system. I actually have an NFL guy. There's a place in Houston too. I wanted to go reach out to him after I, I saw this stuff, but Tom Brady worked so diligently at this that they had to cut a sliver on the outsides of his helmet. I don't know if it was an inch or a half inch on each side because his peripheral vision had gotten so much better. So for him to see the, like, he could basically see the sidelines looking straight. And so he had trained his brain so well. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah. So now I just start throwing it in, you know, everywhere. I throw them down. I throw them up. I throw, I just want their eyes to start recognizing. And then I don't want their body to slow. Mm. See, that's what happens in sports. So you get this real athletic kid, right? He goes out and you're like, oh, man, he's a great athlete. And I never looked at it like that. I always looked at like, no, I don't like him. He's like, his brain is slow. Like I always looked at that. The brain's too slow. Like, and, and I didn't know what to call it when I was coaching, but I just didn't like that kid. I wouldn't play him. <laughs> you know, and everybody was like, he's athletic. Can you play him there? Like, no, nah, he needs to go down on the line and, and just and just shoot because he I could see that there's something lacking here. So it'll be a slower kid that'll get there quicker because he can he can really react quicker. Right. And so a lot of times what's happening is, is that that person's brain synapses are not, he's, he's not seeing projections as quickly as he should. And this is a big problem in sports. And a lot of people don't know anything about it. And so any, like these guys, when they see things, they hesitate and they slow. And so you'll see, even when I'm doing drills, if I start flashing numbers, I never tell them when I'm flashing. I just start flashing. And so <laughs> All of a sudden, the feet slow down. I was like, speed them back up. You know, I'm like, speed them back up. You know, because I need them when they're seeing that stuff to get their body back acclimated. Like, I can look, I can read, I can react, and I can still be as explosive as I need to be. And so it, it has to be taught. What, what was that last part? It has to be taught. Yeah. And that was, that, that was, that was the thing I was going to get to, too. So we do a lot of... Uh perception action a lot of emergent type stuff where we're, we're, we're implementing the, the athletes and putting the athletes in a lot of situations and it's crazy like back in the day like they don't even have recess anymore like these kids so like of course they're bad at perceiving and acting on information they're never put in an environment and especially in the midwest where it's like half the half the year it's snow on the ground like you're not even at right. least like, there's not they're not even outdoors all the time so now they're not even in environments where they're perceiving or acting information at all other than like maybe super specific sports yeah. situations and right, the practices. Right. And I know, you know, like the practices, like uh, so bad. Some of the practices are terrible. So it's like, they never get the opportunity to work on any of these skills at a high speed with 
in different situations too, where it's like a, a kid that, and it's like the kids. So it's like the kids that are naturally good at it. They just get it and they've been doing it, but it's like, you never right. work on a kid that could be good at it at all because right. they never get to work on it. And you're like, Oh, that kid's just not a good athlete. It's like, well, you can train right. that. You can. And it's crazy how fast once you start working with these athletes and putting them in these environments, like how quick, how quickly you can train the brain to perceive and act on that information. See, that's the problem though. The difference is not a lot of differentiation. And, and training people are taking the same drills and making them their own or trying to make them look different. But I don't do that. I take a drill based on the science and what are the, are the principle of the science. And I try to create an environment for weakness. So if there's something there, we, we the, anything could be taught, anything could be a move, right? Uh, the key is the reaction time, first of all, uh, on a neurological side and then on the elastic side. And so if they, if they're not elastic enough, it's going to be slow. And if their brain doesn't work, it's going to be slow. And so, yeah, I, I think it really comes down on the neurological side though. Low organized games has been kind of thrown out the window. And so, you know, Gary told me that when I first started, he said the biggest problem with sports today is that people don't go outside and play tag anymore. And it's, it's really eerie <laughs> ride down the street. I remember like riding down the street and like you didn't even know where people at the way you knew where people at by where the most bikes were at. When you when you found the bikes, you're like, oh, there it goes. Okay, everybody's, you know, and then you find out for somebody where somebody else is at. And now it's like nobody's outside. And it's I'm telling you, I, I think that's a big reason why injuries are 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 rising and athletes are getting, I guess, better, or symptoms are a little bit better now. Um, but you know, injuries aren't going anywhere. So. Yeah. It's, it's almost like we're squeezing the lemon out of the juice, you know, or like right. squeezing the juice out of lemon and just like whatever you get out of there. So you, you get, like you said, like you're going to have these higher outputs because you're squeezing it as hard as possible. But again, you have injuries. Right. And then is it like, just because an athlete can run faster, is that, is that a better athlete? You know, like I, I right. especially oh, when I was they... a, Oh, go ahead. No, you got it. No. Oh, I was saying, especially when I was at the college sector. So um, I coached a, a American football team here in the college sector. And um, like our fastest guy on the team, like the coach would routine. I, I tell the story all the time on the podcast, but the coaches would routinely tell me that he's slow. Like, and he needs to get faster on the field. And we'd look at all his 40 numbers and 10 yard dash numbers and everything. And he was the fastest, like not even like the set. He was the fastest in everything that we did. But like he had no idea where to go on the field and had no idea how to like act and, and move in, with the information presenting him, itself around him. So he appears slow on the field. So it's like, right. man, I feel like we're squeezing the outputs out of these athletes without actually working on the athlete themselves and making a better athlete. I don't I, you know what I think? I think people I got criticized for this once, but I think people are more in love with their systems than they are the athletes. See, for, for me to, like, give up something I, I was passionate about, I was the strongest lifter in college. I was uh, I, I, love, I had a passion for lifting. I was a big Ronnie Coleman, Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. And, and I still love lifting today. I need to get my big button there right now. But uh, <laughs> for me to give that side of it completely up, for and not to say we don't lift. We are lifting. We are getting strong. We're just doing it differently. But for me to give that side of it up um, – you have to understand, I saw something that was, I felt was a detriment to athletes over this time frame, And I can't go back on that because I've seen the benefits 
And I've seen people go from always hurt to never hurt. Um, I think that we're having an issue now with, um, now we have a lot of science. We have a lot of analytics. We have things like that. When those things are good. Um, I was telling my team, we're we're going to have to eventually get real. And I, I like it because it takes away the guesswork if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing, it takes away a ton of guesswork, you know, and I think everybody has a little bit of guesswork, you know what I mean? But it takes away a lot. Now, I think, you know, personally, great coaches have instincts, just like great players have instincts. And I think sometimes, like, it's not a science that's going to get you to get this guy here. It's it's sometimes it's a feeling, you know what I mean? But there has to be a base around that, a base principle. How many systems you know today that have base principles? One principle, one base principle, and we 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 mold everything around that, right? And so when you're looking at what I do, I don't even follow the stuff that Yuri Volkoshansky does, who's the creator of plyometrics. Like the Marinoviches created their own system based on his principle. His principle was great, but for today, to me, those things are outdated plyometric method methods, and I may get slandered for that, but they are. They are outdated plyometric methods and so his drills see that what i'm saying here his principle is pristine it's great it's perfect it's unbelievable he figured that out but his drills to me at this point in 2023 they're behind the times and they're and they're you know in my personal opinion they're bad and so that could be a little controversial uh but they are behind the times at this point we should have taking plyometrics to a much like, and that's no knock on Yuri Volkanovsky. That's just, he created this in 1970. We should be better. We had done it. We, it's our fault. We haven't produced a better plyometric system. Not him. 1970, that's unbelievable. 1980 is unbelievable, but it's 2023. And so I think that, you know, most guys out here are still doing the same stuff he was doing. And we, we gotta, we gotta evolve. At that point, I talk about that point all the time on the podcast. It's 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 like these mad scientists back in the day went against the grain to pursue a principle they truly believed in and like did all of this hard work for you, for you to only just blindly accept what they're saying. And like, like if they were to look at you, they'd be like, what are you doing, you idiot, bro? Like I said that 50 years ago, if you gave me 50 longer, like 50 more years to work on my system, there's no way it would work like that. It's like, right. there's, there's no way these mad scientists would continue to just be where they're at currently. And that's where I see just a lot of, like you said, like just blind, blind, whatever system it is, just blindly accepting the system as it is. And you also have like the other side of it where like you can definitely get into like, rejection of a system just to say you rejected a system you know and then you're just rebelling to rebel but there needs to be the middle ground of seeing what's good there i mean the um oh my goodness i'm blanking on the, the dude's name but it's like um grab what's useful discard what's not you know like take the good stuff from the the system and the, the principle like you use the guiding light of the system the good there but you don't have to just sit there and accept it because that's again right. the person that you're accepting they would not have done that they, they, they would have absolutely right. evolved their own system right like they did then. Yeah, like they did then. Exactly. Yeah, like right. <laughs> the way they got to power, the way they got to be known is by rejecting the current system of their time and or not even rejecting, but bettering the current system of their own time to get to where they're at. And now like that's now it falls on our shoulders. And it's almost like 
it's like like it's virtue signal a little bit where they just blindly accept but it's like that's lazy like you're doing the lazy thing you're you're right you're, right right you're not improving upon the system and that that's your role as a coach as a as a scientist in this field is to ideally better it or at least not even better it but just move it forward from where it was all right even yeah. if you don't move it forward maybe you try to move it forward and then we find a rabbit hole that okay like we tried to move it this way and it didn't work but at least you're doing something with it rather than just sitting right with it. I, I also want to say this. I know you you love your athletes. Uh, Jake talks a lot about you. Uh, I know you love your athletes. If you're doing the same thing you're doing today in 10 years, they ain't going to be there. And, and I have to look at that. I got a couple of guys have a legit shot from freshman in high school to, I think, playing on Sunday. And some guys playing baseball, same thing. And some tennis players, same thing. And my whole thing is this. If I look exactly the same today, 10 years from now, I'm in trouble. I'm probably working back at schools. So, <laughs> so, so I'm always looking to get an edge on the future. The, the key is, is not being so creative that you start getting outside of the lines of, of your principle, whatever that is. And I'm talking just to the human beings in general. You know what I mean? I think we have to have core beliefs and core principles and we have to buy by those. Well, as far as strength and conditioning goes, this is mine. And when I get on something and I say, I hate this drill. Well, that's based on my core beliefs. Just like some people don't like short guys or tall guys or fat <laughs> guys, right? That's your core belief. Don't get mad at me, <laughs> other trainers out there. Don't get mad at me because I have a core belief and I stick by it. And if I don't like a drill, which who cares about a drill? I tell my kids all the time, I don't give a damn about the drill. I give a damn if the drill is helping you become a better athlete based on our principle. That's it. And so I feel like the principle is the best way to align the body, keep the athlete healthy, and, and maximize potential. That's why I like this principle. And that is all about the athlete. It's just I feel like this principle is the most functional. If you look at the time synapses that happen in sport and what our time synapses is uh, and plyometrics, this is the closest to what you would see as functional on the field. And so that's why I go by that. And so when I don't like a drill, you know how many times Gary Marinovich has told me, yeah, that's horrible. Like, <laughs> I don't like that drill. Yeah, that's bad, Brian. You need to take that off. Uh, stop doing that one. Right. You, you know, I just use bands. I don't use bands anymore. That, that, that hurt me. <laughs> like that would hurt me. I gave up bands, gave up bands. I'm not going to go into that today, but. I gave them up. You know what I mean? And it, I have a, I have a, I have a base behind it. And uh, somebody got hurt because I was, because I know I, I got somebody hurt using them. And my athletes come first. So I threw them bands out once I figured out what it was. And Gary talked to me and I saw it firsthand. I said, yeah, I'm done with them. And I threw them out. That's hard. I'm a baseball guy. I grew up on third bands, but I don't think it's the best way. Jake with me hasn't used a band with me. You know, so that's the thing. So I think there are other ways and I think there are better ways. Just like when the band came out, it was the best thing since sliced bread. And I think there'll be other ways as well. So, so not, and I'm not knocking anybody for using bands. It's just, I gave that up because I felt like I hurt an athlete and I want to put my athletes first. Well, it is funny watching, like, I mean, it's crazy that you have to preface, like some of the things where you're saying it's like, 
when you hate on a method, like it's just a method. And like you said, like the way that you put it, it's like, it doesn't fit in my system. I'm going to say why it doesn't fit in my system. And it's also social media where we have 30 seconds to get across the point. It's like, right. I saw, I was just reading some of the comments on your page today. It's like, bro, what do you want him to do? Like go into a we'll fucking write a doctoral thesis for you on his like post. It's like, my goodness, what are you guys talking about? It's like, he's posting what he does here. Uh, man, I was just reading some of that. I'm like, it's insane. Yeah. To, like. I usually just go through and just press like, 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 Facebook simulating the algorithm, like, 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 and then I have loyal people. I try to respond to them and then I rather them, I try to push them towards the DM where I can really talk to them. But like, yeah, it's some guys just, you know, if people put that much focus into their wives, their children, their life, their, their job, waking up in the morning, being a positive human being, they'd all be millionaires. Uh, we put so much, I like, how, how do you have the time to write me an article on why you think what I'm saying is, like, how do you get the time? I don't have the time. I'm like, dude, like, I got to write up a whole training camp tonight. I, I may not sleep tonight. How do you have time to do that? <laughs> this is insane. That is totally insane to me that you have that kind of time. You must have a great life. Yeah, yeah. My wife, my wife wouldn't let me have that much time. <laughs> like, She'd be yelling at you if you're trying to argue with me. I ain't making money, man. I, hey, it's family time. <laughs> Oh, uh, that yeah, I was reading through some of that. It was crazy. Um, okay, maybe back to some training here. One of the things that you talk about a lot is training on the toes. Uh, yeah. can you kind of give me some some of that? I know you talked about you touched on the balance work, but I see a lot of stuff of training on the toes. Uh, Joel Smith talked about the foot a ton in, in like his courses, and I know a lot of people are super interested. So again, I think in American football world, it's so interesting just because it, it's like none of those small stuff is talked about in the American football world. Cause it's all again, big three, you, you know, the American football world, you worked with those guys. It's just like mm-hmm. anything in those regards is kind of like totally new. It's like wonder bread for them. It, it, it's something totally new. So can you kind of talk about the, the training of the foot and how you're, you're working on that? Yeah. I, I, I just think, I mean, I'm going to be honest with anybody Just take your shoes off. Um, like you got to start taking shoes off because the shoe is hindering you. It's like riding on training wheels all day and then expecting to go out and win a BMX race. You know, that's basically what we're doing. And so, like, I I started seeing that, you know, I learned the evaluation system, but when I really started understanding how to evaluate and start seeing, like, you know, these guys come in the gym and literally have no toe functionality at all. None. And so, can you hear that? Mm -mm. So, you might have to burp that. I got cats. I don't know why. They go crazy back I there. don't know why. I don't. My wife and my girls, uh, I want to get rid of them. But anyway, uh, you cut that. Yeah. So when I got into the uh, the uh, really understanding uh, how to evaluate and assess the foot, we started to see these occurrences. So the first thing was just like, okay, that's weak. That pinky toe's weak. That big toe's weak. Dorsiflexion's off plantar flexion off. That's why I started on the base, right? But then I started to really like kind of do my own kind of independent research and start watching the guys who had these certain deficiencies and how they started to respond when they jumped and when they ran. And so then I started looking at how they've been taught. So, you know, in the track world or in the runner's world, you hear a lot of the dorsiflexion uh, thing where you're pulling the foot backwards before striking it great. Um, more stiffness, right? Um, I want you to look at it like this. I need to be relaxed in sport, right? Um, 
I don't think the issue is the dorsiflexion. I think people teach the dorsiflexion side of things because they don't understand what's really going on. And that just got created to basically put a Band-Aid on the wound, right? The wound is this. You don't know how to time the ground because you can't feel it. If you could time the ground correctly and you could feel the ground correctly, then you would know the point of impact as you're relaxed. And you would tighten before the heel strikes, read and react and, and reverse in the other direction. So it's an east, it's called the eccentric um, yield and then the concentric isometric, which is the stopping point. That's the key. And then the reversal, right? And so not only did I start looking at that in the ankles, then I started looking at it in the toes. And so I realized that people's toes, people that couldn't grab with the toes, the ankle is looser on contact. See, if all my toes are engaged, all the ligaments that go that string from the toes or string from the toes up to the ankle joint are going to tighten on impact. As soon as I do this, this tightens. But what if this is loose and I'm hitting on the ball? What happens here? This is looser. So if we could train the foot like a hand, just like an offensive lineman sticks his, his fingers in the ground, right? He stiffens the fingers first, and that stiffens the wrist. That's how we should look at the foot. You have 14 joints in the toes. I've said this over and over again. 14 joints. What are joints for? Power. Elastic, to build elastic energy. They're, they're jointed. They're, that's the area, like a trampoline, where we create power. You have 14 in the toes. Could you imagine if you put 50 pounds of force in each foot this offseason instead of 50 on your bench? How much better of a runner are you? How much better of a cutter are you? How much easier is it for you to land on a basketball court on somebody's ankle, roll it, and just walk off like I see all the time in my gym because we train it every day, you know? And so, you know, I had a story. Uh, the New York Giants uh, special teams coach was in my gym. I was training his son, and we had a pro athlete jumping uh, with 175 pounds on the super cat. So we're squat jumping off the ground. I don't know how he did this, but he lands straight sideways. Just a, a horrible, uh, just bilateral ankle twist. I mean, just looked bad. I, I totally got the machine and walked off. I thought he was done. He walks around five minutes, gets back on the machine, does another set. The, co the coach afterwards says, I, I've watched every strength coach in this country, and I've never seen some of the things I've seen in this gym this week. Like I've seen multiple people just roll an ankle, walk off like nothing happened. And I know for sure that is a testimony of what we're doing every day with, with structuring the foot. So um, I would tell athletes out there, the, the, a very simple thing you do is just start squeezing things with your toes like you use your hands. Start acting, go out in the grass, grab the grass, grab blades of grass. Um, you know, I'm into kind of some holistic stuff too. Uh, I don't wanna go that route right now. It's not the scope of this interview. But, you know, getting in the grass has some benefits for your body. Uh, I, I saw um, a well-known tennis player doing that. <laughs> That's cool with Kobe Bryant or what's cool with Kobe Bryant. I think they were all in the same stuff. So there is some benefit there. Um, we, we need to, you know, start tapping into other things. And as athletes, for the advantages, people are, are starting to uh, progress and they realize our bodies are a lot different than we think. We we are, you know, full of energy and we have to get, we have to, the foot has to touch the ground for the nerves 
to be able to fire and rewire and, and the circuitries to go from foot to brain. You have the most neurological receptors in the body other than the brain and the foot. But look how far away they are. You know, they're, they're super far away. So now you have this athlete that's always got shoes on and they're never touching actual skin. Can you imagine if you never touched, hardly ever touched your hands for things? We do things with our hands we don't even realize. Like you pick up a fork and spoon, you don't even realize which fingers you use because you've done it so many times and you've acclimated the nerves in your hands so many times, right? So the foot has to be the same way. And then when you're out here cutting and stuff, it's not going to be as hard. You have a relationship with your foot. And I don't like people to use socks either because that's we need skin. So that actually is kind of funny to me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like the sock, just go barefoot. Oh, you got that far. But yeah, there's <laughs> one more step. Uh, okay, so this is something that it kind of brought up the thought. So, for for baseball athletes and eat like offensive linemen, do you do you do things similar with the hands as well? Because that's something I've had Rafe Kelly on the podcast, and he was saying that's a big Rafe Kelly and Austin Einhorn are really big into like adding climbing components and grappling components with the hands mm -hmm. for the same reason that you're talking about. It's like they're super like we like they don't really use their hands for really anything i mean they're like they're doing the same they're just gripping the same the same barbell and and ray kelly was showing me like the calluses different calluses on his hands and uh climbing specifically they both talk about the torsion that goes through the hands and the, the different grips that they right. have um being really good for for a lot of the same things you're talking about the foot do you do you implement any of that with the hands with any of your athletes right. i do uh we actually started like with my uh i have a boxer i think it's going to be a world champion here pretty soon and we started about a year ago, uh, we, we would do these hangers to do uh, our, our knee pulls. And we just started doing them with our hands. And then we started reversing grips. And then we started to spread the grip. And then we started to uh, reverse the grip. And so we try, we start doing the same things with the foot as we do uh, with the hands that we did with the foot. Then we're big uh, rice bucket guys. Hmm, yep. Uh, it's old school. It's old Nolan Ryan school. I like that. And I mean, you can just manipulate so many different mannerisms in the rice uh and then we do some of the customary stuff grab a a, a a 45 pound weight squeeze but we're still doing it fast we're trying to actually still uh we want pulse like somebody drops the ball because of timing like we never look at that like he he felt it and he couldn't grip fast enough hmm. maybe there's an imbalance in the pinky like i tested a girl's hands today hand strength today uh she's a tennis player with, and had a wrist injury before she got to him so like, yeah, like all of that has to be a part of it. Uh, I don't leave anything. I'm not the foot guy. I like, I like to, I like to say that in here. <laughs> I am not <laughs> the foot guy. I, we train everything. Like it, I just, when I build a house, I started, I started the base. I started the foundation. That's, that's it. And that's why I talk a lot about the foot, but I am not the foot guy. We train everything, everything. Even even like even deeper than the foot, you you continually talk about like the relaxation and the timing aspect to it, which I feel like. Mm -hmm. So I just had Joel Smith on the podcast two podcasts ago now, and he he talks a lot about the masculine versus feminine side of training, disinhibition versus inhibition, and he talks to like everything we do in strength conditioning is masculine, squeeze, right. contract harder. The same thing. He's like all of the lead athletes are all about relaxation, timing, fluidity, and that's something I yeah. see on your page. It's like you're yeah. doing a ton of that, like those type of principles the disinhibition the, the feminine side of training um and, and implementing them and i just feel like that's it's so i don't know it's just not it i feel like you so you talked about the metrics i feel like one of the reasons i i've been working on this theory it's like we can measure 
right now, the masculine side of things. We can measure 10 pounds on the bench press. We can measure like doing something harder and squeeze, but it's like the fluidity, the relax, relaxation side of things, the disinhibition, the, the, just almost like that swagger walk that they have, how they walk, how they move, like that fluidity. It's, it's really right. the measure. Right. So if you don't have an eye for it, or, and you, you can't really show somebody on paper that's like, it's hard to sell somebody on that type of training, but every athlete, once you start implementing some of these things with them, every, like every athlete that I've started to implement, even if it's just a tiny part of our training, like, Oh my God, I feel better. Like that, that felt amazing. Right. Like that was great. Like that. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like how backwards we are in our field that we just completely ignore an entire side to the training that should almost yeah. be emphasized more. You know, you're right on it. You are right on it. Um, I say this, take, Three girls and three guys, put them in the same system and see who comes out alive. Those girls in a full-fledged system, they're going to kick those guys' ass to start off with. Because that's what, like, women are, are, think about it. Like, everything they do is based on fluidity. And even their walk is, is more daintier and more delicate. And then you start looking at the best athletes. I never realized how, like, high on the toes Michael Jordan was until I started doing this training. Uh and he's like almost like a ballerina. Um, and so you have to start looking at that feminine side is, is, is huge. Like even down, I remember we were training with Gary one year early on and he was picking out people's pinky fingers. Like if your pinky finger was, was, was curling during a drill, he like, Hey, your fingers. <laughs> like, we were like, dang. <laughs> so I do that now, but then that was just amazing. Like, how is he seeing that? Like, so any tension, uh, Troy Palomalo does this training. He he did this training with uh my mentor and uh Marv. And uh, you know, he has the Afunga guy right now. Uh Tayano Ty I don't want to say his name wrong. Uh Tayalano Hufunga with San Francisco 49ers. I may be saying his first name wrong. He's he's a great guy. He came out of gym. Uh but Hufunga plays with uh, the San Francisco 49. He's all pro last year. He's he's a hell of a hell of a player. He's one of the best safes in the league, if not the best. Uh, and great guy. Uh, we sat down. We just talked about like different things we were doing in the system. What he was doing with Troy, what we were doing with Gary. Uh, and I like I liked stuff they were doing. And uh, he was talking to me that Troy. You know, I don't want to give up too much what they're doing, but he basically like he can't grunt. He can't make sounds. Yeah, like everything. Because Troy was like, he's very relaxed. Troy's this monster, but he wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't scream and he just knock your block off and go back. And that's basically how he's trained him. And that's not just because he wants him to be calm. It's because when the brain is under tension, it plays tricks with the eyes. And so now the field starts looking faster because the brain is articulating everything going on in your environment. It's not your eyes. Your eyes, of course, or just attached to attached to an optical tunnel that that you know attached to the brain, and so well it is part of the brain, and so you know you get a migraine, what happens? You lose vision, and so it's very important that like that relaxed mannerism is implemented all even the strength work in all elements of the training, and I, I'm, we are constantly hey relax. Other people in the gym are doing it now. You know what I mean? Like we've done it so much. You get more, you get more other of the other athletes saying, hey man, relax. Like your toes are scrunched all up. Hey, relax your feet. Relax. Like every, I don't have to say it anymore. We we preached it so much. And so it's like a um, it's an it's a uh, what do you call it? A fraternity now. Like everybody knows that's the standard 
when you come in. And so, yeah, uh, that that's a great point. Like we don't like that. That I don't want to go crazy here, but these off-season programs, and I, I'm not saying every program because I don't know what everybody does exactly, but the ones I've been involved in, they are caveman. It's a herd mentality. You're going to get a bunch of people in at once. It's the best way to get a bunch of people in there and to get them doing something so, you know, they're not doing nothing. And, you know, anytime you see a freaking quarterback in there lifting with the lineman, it's something wrong with that situation. We got to do better than that. Why is a quarterback in there wasting time lifting and bench pressing with a lineman when he could be out there adding five miles on his throw for the next season so he can get the ball to his deep threat? You know, like, why? Like, that's crazy to me. That's that's absolutely crazy to me. I wouldn't have him in the weight room at all. He'd be someone throwing med balls and throwing it up the field. Like, that's a crazy system to me. The, the, the Q, I mean, the QB, I, the baseball world's a little bit better in this, but the QB throwing programs that I've seen, like, it's almost non, especially in the Midwest here, it's almost non-existent. It's great. Like, I was working, I had this, I I, I um was following a little bit of Bobby Stoop stuff, size presentation, and this this is how bad it was. This is how indoctrinated I was. This was four or five years ago, and he was talking about, like, doing rotational stuff and doing throwing stuff with Patrick Mahomes, even if it's not a football, but, like, weighted footballs, measuring some of the stuff, mm -hmm. um, in the off season. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, how did I not fucking think of that? Like his whole job is to throw a football and we don't do it right. at all. We don't work on right. any aspect of that at all. And what we're doing currently. And it was such like a mind melting thing, but then, then you like take a step back at it and you're like an alien looking at the world. Like, why is that a mind melting like thought process in our field? Like that should right. be such a right. common sense thing. And it's just it's not just, talked about at and all. That is the problem. We have a lot of intelligent people, but we don't have a lot of smart people out here intelligence does not make you smart right smart means you make good decisions when they need to be made and if i have a five-star quarterback that can throw the hell out of the ball the first thing i don't want him to get hurt so he needs to get acclimated with his throwing mechanics in all angles in all areas to make sure that doesn't happen and then the second thing is to continue to build on his on his best weapon that should be that's your offseason <laughs> why is this dude in here squatting two days a week benching two days a week and then going out and doing agilities one day a week like come on man like it's 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 just crazy uh, and like i don't even care anymore <laughs> i really i used to try to i just don't care anymore like because you know why i don't care because people are going to get hurt because of it. you know and in, in, in multiple ways career is going to be ruined you know people are literally going to get hurt you know, people are going to lose confidence because they think it's their fault. And a lot of this is the system's fault. There are some lazy people out there and it is their fault. But a lot of this is the systems too. And I'm not telling this isn't for every strength coach in the world or every strength program or every, um, you know, I know there's some good strength coaches out there, but, you know, I think that the common sense gene is about a 5% gene right now in our world. So. <laughs> That's just my, that's my assessment. And it's about 2% in our field. 5% maybe in the world, 2% in our field. It's dropping. It's dropping. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll uh, wrap this up here before we go. Um, With the disinhibition, 
disinhibition stuff, I want to bring it back to there for a little bit. Athletes listening, maybe coaches that want to get more into the disinhibition, relaxation, mm-hmm. um, fluidity type training. Is there something that you can tell them like, hey, go try this or experiment with some of these things or even just read resources? Because I know when we had Joel Smith on, he, we brought this up and we talked about it. And then I got like 40 DMs asking, okay, like how do we implement, how do we start some of this stuff? Um, right. so what, what's your thought process yeah. there? How can a coach or an athlete listening start Start the red pill process of like, okay, yeah. like try some of these things out and be like, uh, see the effect. Maybe we go a little bit deeper into this. Right. Um, I, I honestly think we we have to take a look. Uh, I'm going to go back to the foundation uh, with the foot. If you can learn how to strengthen and relax the toes, because when we practice a lot of balance, it's it's toe related. It's not ankle related. So we're actually letting allowing the, the toes to work together as a family. Once things start kind of acclimating and working together, then it kind of runs all the way up the chain. So, you know, I like to do like towel pulls, you know, things where everything is kind of being acclimated together. Uh, If you're going to use slant boards, uh, which we use those, like it ought to be toe generated. So getting that fluidity in your step, when you're jumping, you ought to be pointing like a ballerina. Like you shouldn't jump rope and pull back into this, masculine position the dorsiflexion like you ought to be pointing all the way through when you push off the ground when you run what happens to the foot it flicks all the way through the range of the ankle so your jumping programs ought to be the same way you ought to be pointing down not hooking your feet backwards and creating tension um when you're if you're laying down doing something make sure the fingers are relaxed the face is relaxed the toes are relaxed uh you're going to see most of the tension throughout the uh points of extension fingers toes head eyes points of extension you're going to see that's where you're going to see a lot of the tension so pay attention to those things uh it's hard when you're in a weight room because a weight room is all about you know the grip and so you have to grip tight and and that's what creates a lot of the tension i'll be honest with you that's it's a hard thing like what you're doing uh you're basically the doctor um, and, and these guys are, you know, going out and playing in, in zero degrees weather without, without a coat and they have to come into a doctor to make sure they stay healthy and get the right supplementation, things of that sort, uh, because, um, there's not a lot of that in their systems. Everything is, argh, especially in football. Um, and I think we have to do a better job of coaches educated. I, I really, honestly, I don't want to go around the question. I, I just... It's it's hard in the current systems. I will say that it's it is. I mean, I like I don't want to tell everybody you need to follow me. I, I don't want to say that because it may not my, my way may not get you there. You know what I mean? Uh, but I do know that you have to start understanding your body better. Like guys, especially girls, are pretty natural for the most part with that element. You could they're really good on their toes. They're really good with being you know kind of dainty things like that. Guys have been taught to be that way, very masculine, you know what I mean? And they're, you need feminine and masculine qualities to be a great athlete. And be honest with you, most movements are feminine. Most great movements are feminine. They're like a dancer or something like that. So I think that like getting more in tune with the, I'm not going to say feminine, but the more delicate side of the, of the body, uh, jumping and toe pointing, that's a ballerina. Look at other sports. Look at look at like ice skating. Look at um, um, look at uh, gymnastics. Look at all the toe pointing and the pushing and the power. 
you can take those same elements and add them right back in your sport if you kind of duplicate the mannerisms. Um, I, I would say you can follow my channel. I talk a lot about, you know, relaxation, uh, but it's, you got to go in that weight room and you got to be somebody else. Like you got to find a way to relax. You got to find a way to take the bar down a certain way and get rid of it fast. Uh, Cause you're going to have to do it. I mean, it's, it's kind of messed up. I don't do it. I don't have to do it, but you know, when they go to school, you know, what they're going to tell the coach. <laughs> I can't know? do it. I listen to this podcast. I can't do it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not, you know, I, I hate that for you guys, but we all kind of went through it. Uh, the, the key now is to understand and start being self-atomic and understanding to learn your own bodies because guys don't do a very good job of that. You know, I get NFL guys and, you know, you get NFL guys, you think they're going to know so much and they don't know anything. They haven't been taught anything from these universities or, or high schools. They just good. And some people just good. Like I, you know, like Steve Nelson from the Texas, man, I told him, I mean, I thought I improved him or helped him some the year before, but hell, he got more picks this year. He's, he just good. You know, he, we, we're still uh buddy, buddy, you know, but I didn't work on this off season, but he's good. Dude, just good. I mean, I'm not, you know, he don't need me to be a great player. Now, I think I've helped him immensely, but I, I just don't, he's good enough to to get through it. But the problem is, what about this? Everything this in between. Group of people, this group of people that's like right on, in the middle. You know, they, they probably could make it, but a wrong way here, a wrong way here, and they're not going to make it. It's a lot of guys like that. You know what I mean? And you stop looking at the 1% guys. And, and when you do look at them, look at like what's going on. Why is LeBron still fast? And he's not. Why does he look faster, more supposed than everybody, you know, on the court? And, and he's, you know, almost, or he's 40, almost 40. You know, it's because he's learned to slow the game down in his own brain. He's more relaxed now. So now he doesn't have to try as hard. He can eat up ground without taking 20 steps. He can take five now. You know, that's, those are the those are the elements, you know. Even bringing that to like the the data you talked about, it's like a lot of the best players will have the least amount of yardage tracked in mm -hmm. almost in practice and in games because they know exactly where they need to be at the right time. Like if you're running a lot on the field or the court or whatever you're doing, it's because you don't uh, know where the fuck you're supposed to be and you're gonna right. beat all the time, bro. <laughs> like like the, like the outfielder is always diving. Yeah. Like, that guy. <laughs> like is, he really is he real good or is he always misplaying the ball? Like he's <laughs> always diving. Like the best outfitters, you don't really see them do it. Like Kid Griffey Jr., like you just he dive on the wall every now and then, but everything looks easy. He's like always there. Andrew <laughs> Jones, always there. Like it just never looked hard. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that in the outfield sense, but that's so yeah. true. So true. Yeah. We used to laugh about that. We had we had real athletic guys in the outfield, and they always diving, and my boy played outfield. He's like, Man, you know why I never dive? Because I know where the ball's going. <laughs> I'm playing the ball correctly. He misplaying everything. He diving because he he, he should have caught that ball right here. Like we used to laugh that all the time. Oh, that, that, that's awesome. Coach, uh, we just ripped an hour 30. I just want to say thank you for coming on, taking time out of your day. I know no everything's kind of crazy right now. Thank you, man. Hope I didn't talk your ear off too much. I was trying to listen. <laughs> no, that, that was perfect. Thank you guys for listening. Keep dropping wood. Have a good one, Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.